Welcome to tonight's event and please welcome Fabian Söthoff, our moderator who will take you through the night. Good night. Thank you Astrid for the introduction. And uh, from now on I do have the honor, first of all, to introduce you to the band who you all be waiting for now, which is Churches from Scotland. Please welcome on stage with me Lauren Mabry, Ian Cook and Martin Doherty. Welcome to the Apple Store. Um, yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. So um, it's not your first day in Germany after tour. You've been to Munich yesterday, I think Cologne the day before. That's right. Yeah, How was that? Um, actually, Cologne was one of my favorite shows of the year, um, I would say. It's pretty crazy. Why? Um, just audience reaction, the venue is great, all that good stuff. Yeah. Pretty much different playing shows, uh, the audience different here to Scotland and England? Um, I, can, I think it kind of varies where you go, like uh, different audiences react in different ways to shows and yeah, I think the German crowd is a, a really special one for us, it's good. Um, and you have a special crowd here, uh, not for the concert but only for <laughs> seeing you now. Um, Lauren, I read you do speak some with German, is that true? Um, I speak a bit, but I, th I learned it at school, so it's mainly phrases like, where is the train station? <laughs> at the weekend, I went for a Startbummel and things like that, which is not helpful. <laughs> so I don't know any technical musical terms or any lingo that would relate to that, so it's not that helpful. Actually, you've worked out to how to say, I speak a little German, but it's really bad on stage. Yeah, but that's that helpful, because well. you can then apologize in advance <laughs> rather Lauren. than just speaking English automatically because I think that's a bit rude. Lauren so actually speaks a lot better German than she lets on. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. If people speak slowly to me then I can understand but if they're going like really fast with like Berlin slang I'm like oh I don't know. Mm. I don't know what you're saying. Actually nope. one time Lauren uh, fooled a German taxi driver into thinking that she was German <laughs> and he started shouting at us because we had asked for a really short fare. Yeah, we <laughs> just started shouting at Lauren in German. We were in a hotel and the lady at the desk was like, oh yeah, that's quite far, you should get a cab. So we got in and gave the instructions and then, uh, yeah, then we got told off. I was like, I'm, he's not, I don't know what, quite what he's saying, but it, I think we should get out. <laughs> it was the GSL, like, get back out, it's oh, embarrassing. Wow. So, never mind. Okay, but you do not prepare special greetings for every city in um, German or in wherever you play? No, well, we try, like, have a, like when we're playing a lot of summer festivals in different places, uh, Google Translate helps, because then you can get basic phrases, but then sometimes it translates everything really literally, and what you're saying makes no sense. <laughs> but I think, you know, you could be like, I don't speak this language, and this is what I think I was supposed <laughs> to be saying. Yeah. There was only one time where I think I tried to speak uh, Flemish, and it just... Dead. I think I must have really mispronounced everything. And then when I was like, because I tried to say like, good evening, this is where we're from, and I was like, that didn't work. So I'll just go for the, I don't speak Flemish <laughs> phrase, and they were like, oh, good. Mm. <laughs> oh, anyway, you don't have to speak German fluent because you're from Scotland, and you just recorded an album, The Bones of What You Believe, uh, which came out in August, I think, in Germany, or September. September, September? Yeah. okay. Um, so, um, yeah, that was a pretty rapid career, if I could say so. I think uh, The Lies, your first single, came out in 
um, sometimes early, early 2012. May 2012. Yeah, May 2012. And he had the, 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 the Recover EP. Yeah. And uh, from no. there on, everything started, the hype started, and everyone was saying, like, this is one of the bands you need to hear in 2013. So um, after all those months with all the hype, and now your record finally uh, putting out, how does it feel? Is it, do you now feel like more pressure because um, you need to fulfill the expectations now, or do you feel like relieved, <coughs> saying, well, it's out, everything's cool now? I think I think we feel quite relieved that um, after all those months of working on it, that we finally managed to get it complete and out. And, uh, and it, so far, it seems that people don't hate it, so that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's funny. A lot of people always ask us about the pressure. How do you feel about the pressure of this and that? I think we've managed to be quite good in shielding ourselves from that so far and just like concentrating on the work that needs to be done. You know, whether making the album or like being a better live band or, you know, it's, it hasn't really impacted on us so far, which I'm really glad to say. Yeah, I mean, hype's a funny word, isn't it? Mm. Like, I don't know if we really subscribe to that idea. It's like Ian's saying, all that we've done for the last nine months, the last year, whatever, is, is stay and maintain focus on what we're doing in the day-to-day -day of being the band. And that's what is important. I think the best thing about having the album out now is that finally we're able to be judged on a full-length record which is how I feel all bands should be judged ultimately. And we are really, I mean, we're blown away and, uh, by the way that we've come to people's attention, but it's been on a song-by-song -song basis. And it's very difficult for people to get an idea of who a band is, you know, when one song is everything that you know about the band, and then two songs, and then three songs. But getting the full album out now, it means that anyone that listens to our band can, can fully understand where we're coming from and what we're about. I think that's my favourite thing about it. So before the album came out, you never felt misunderstood? Not entirely, no, but that's not exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, just not fully represented. Yeah. It's yeah. like, because obviously if you're based on the so-called singles that you put out, you know, you're obviously not going to release the kind of long, dark, brooding songs on the album. So people don't see that side of the band. They, they think you're like an upbeat kind of pop radio band or whatever, and that's not the full picture. That's some of what we do, yeah, sure, but it's not the full picture. Um, if I got you right, you don't like the word hype, but what I read um, in another interview of you guys was some of you said, um, this is a band made on the internet, so you agreed upon it, more or less. So, um, but I was thinking, isn't any band who's having kind of big success nowadays kind of an internet band? Because that's where you find your audience, your fans? Um, I think probably what we meant by that was that for us, we existed on the internet before we existed in the real world, if that makes sense. Whereas like all of the bands I've been in prior to this, like you you rehearse the songs, you gig the songs, you save up, you record the record. And then, you know, once like while you're doing the gigging, you use the social networks. Whereas we recorded a lot of stuff and then we put things online. And then we just kind of existed in cyberspace for a long time before we started playing shows. Um, but I think the internet's been like an undeniably valuable tool for us and we still use it like just daily just to kind of communicate with people and make things feel a bit more personal than just like updates from the PRHQ and that's not really something we want to do so. Well it's about trying to show some level of personality as well you know because we're think so. these days it's it's important when there's lines of communication that are so open and clear like you know all the biggest social networking sites that we all use that 
that you show a bit of yourself on in, in that respect. You know, maybe it's a silly picture, maybe it's you know a song that you like that you heard that day. But that's something that we all respond to when we read the Twitter accounts of the bands that we love, for example. You know, I think that's important. Plus, it's allowed uh, Martin to perfect the art of the selfie on Twitter. Yes. I'll tell you something. It's quite the thing. What's German for selfie? <laughs> that is no German word. It's there, German word for selfie. Anyone? No? What do you really. do there? Yeah. The, the, no. my, the my, MySpace Oh, that's good. That's <laughs> good. I remember yeah. that. I'm yeah. at, um, Everyone's I'm taken at, one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm at a pretty high level with the selfies <laughs> right now. You have time. <laughs> yeah. Let's, um, it's all about the duck pout, you see. <laughs> you have to be in your bathroom, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it always yeah. has to be from above. You never take them yeah. from other angles. I well, don't know. They're much like more flattering from above, I think. See, you don't I want the double is that chin not thing because that was what happened with like MySpace and stuff? Yeah. Like girls would take them from it's above. Flattering <laughs> <laughs> not on MySpace, not yeah. on Instagram or wherever. See, you've kind of you know, you know, it's everywhere. You've opened a can of worms here because the mirror <laughs> selfie is a much different discipline to the standard <laughs> selfie. <laughs> It takes a lot of work, it takes a lot well, of effort. The other day, Martin <laughs> was trying to make an internet joke about the Kim Kardashian bottom selfie that she'd oh, yeah. done. But then because you were trying to get the right Coming photo for it, get the right photo for your joke, you were like taking another picture of my ass, taking another picture <laughs> of my ass. Like, I don't really want to. And I'm like, there, there you go. And you were like, oh, that's not right, that's not right. Uh, and eventually I you did it yourself. How can so I represent myself in the most <laughs> Kim Kardashian-esque way? Yeah, you were like, it's not the right angle. And I was like, I've got other stuff to do right now. I'm not taking any more pictures <laughs> of your ass. I'm sorry. Do but something you with Kim Kardashian, Kim Kardashian. Uh, once you feel like you don't have the audience you need, uh, you, you want to, because then you can spread out, because everybody's following Kim Kardashian. Oh, there we go. So oh, well. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's... Let's take a look back for a moment, uh, because uh, you don't have like a 10-year span of a career right now. You're a young band, you're a newcomer still. Um, in <coughs> in a couple of sentences, how how did you how did you guys meet? How did the did the, the band came to being? Because, for example, I think um, you Ian, you played in Aragon before. Yeah. So it's a, it's a to me, it's a big or at least not a small step from post-rock to synthy pop, more or less. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were. Ian and I have known each other for about 10 years. We've always been close friends and um, had always talked about doing something together initially. Um, and it was usually just kind of drunken talk. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's make a record, let's get in the studio. And I was touring with the Twilight Sad for four years. Ian was off doing his thing. And um, eventually the kind of schedule was aligned and we got into the studio and we worked on maybe just two or three songs. Yeah, yeah. A couple and of sessions. Immediately starting to think about the potential for having a different counter vocal, you know, like a a call and response type thing. Like, you know, I guess um human leak type vibe, you know. And uh then we Ian had played me demos that a lot he'd done with Lauren and when I heard her voice you know, I thought it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to swear at you with my hands there, but then I realized there's cameras there. Uh, no, that's, you know, I was pretty blown away when I heard her singing for the first time, and mm. we invited her into the studio, and pretty quickly we realized that she had a lot to offer as, as an artist and as a writer, as well as having an, a really special voice as we heard it, and we scrapped everything that we'd been doing up to that point, started writing songs that became this record, and that took about... Eleven months, yeah, something like that. Round about that. 
That's the short version of the story. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you, when you, when you started and you, you record the first songs and uh, you recognize, well, works are pretty fine. Um, you didn't have any, any master plan in the back saying, well, this has to be an album next year and we want to be what you are now, for example. Uh, no, not, I don't think so. Um, I think like in the same way as when you start any band, you're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we finished the record? Wouldn't it be cool if we got to tour? But beyond that, there was no evil genius master plan. And we didn't have, we didn't have a label at that time and we didn't have publishing or anything like that. So it was just like three people in a room writing songs. Um, and I think the fact that, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier about the hype stuff, that was useful for us as far as it helped people hear about our band, which is a great thing. But I think it was also helpful to us that we had written, we'd been writing for months before anybody had heard of the band anyway. So I think any perceived pressure that would have arisen from that wasn't felt quite so much because we'd, we had a certain bulk of the work we'd already yeah. done. So we kind of knew where we wanted to go with it and what we wanted to do. So it's just a case of not reading about yourself on the internet and yeah. keeping doing your work. I think it would have been kind of a different story if we'd, if we only had Say Lies at yeah, that time and I think we'd that put that terrifying. song and had that reaction. I don't mean we've all seen it before happen to bands and then suddenly you're, you're reacting to what everyone is saying about you rather than being confident about where you are and where you were at and I think that might have changed things. So I'll always be glad that we did all that work. I mean, we worked for months on songs before anyone heard a note. That was, if there was any kind of element, any planned element, it would have been, I would agree that you know, we deliberately didn't let anyone hear anything until we were totally satisfied. And anyone that asks me about the band or how maybe they could follow a similar tra trajectory, that's what I say to them. Mm. Just keep it as tight as possible until you're totally satisfied. And now that the product well, I don't want to say product, now the record. <laughs> the art. The art, excuse me. <laughs> um, now the, the, the artist is, is, is finished and recorded and put out. Um, I just quoted press saying, well, that's the sound of 2013 you need to hear. Do you agree? Do you, do you feel like, well, this is a very modern, recent sound we, we put out? Or is it because I read you a big fan of the 80s? Or is it like one of the <coughs> 80s records you never heard, you wanted to hear? I don't think we are a band that particularly follow kind of little trends and like cycles in contemporary music. I think we draw influence certainly from a lot of 80s music, certainly from a lot of modern hip hop and R&B stuff. Um, and, and I think we, we draw influence from a lot of different places and, and I think that's what kind of make, sets our music apart maybe from a lot of the stuff that's, that's current and maybe a little bit more kind of transitory, um, I hope, anyway. But, uh, you know, I guess it's not for us to say if it's like the sound of 2013 or whatever. We're just trying to write the best songs that we can and yeah. glad that people are responding to them. I mean, the, the, there's no denying that there's a nostalgic element in what we do, but every day in the studio when we're working, we try to explore the most modern techniques, you know, try and twist those sounds in absolutely the most modern way possible. Mm. And, and then, of course there's an element of your own personality that comes into that sort of thing. I would be sad if people considered us a purely retro band, you know, mm -hmm. just a, a nostalgic retro entity without, you know, there's no denying that there's a big element of what we do or an element of what we do, but I think there's more to us than that. Mm -hmm. Do you have certain idols where you think now, well, yeah, we can hear them, 
in our music. For example, when I listen to the uh, song uh, The Mother We Share, that really reminded me of a Kate Bush song, Hounds of Love, in the beginning. Oh, oh wow. the cover of the Future Heads, we of the same song. Yeah, we oh, had to oh, do an right, the oh, Don't say that. Um, that. We had to do an interview about uh, one of our favourite albums the other day, and we chose Hounds of Love. So that's uh, oh. it's obviously coming through in some way, you know, yeah. if you're spotting yeah. it. Okay. I think there's a, there was we take a lot of influence from the, the drum sounds on that album, the tom sounds, mm -hmm. like the heavily processed tom drum sounds, you know, with the big gated reverbs. From that's kind Kate of all, Bush. yeah, okay. from Kate Bush. That's, yeah. that's sort of all over the album. Um, it's kind of a nod to that, I guess. Okay. Any other idols you like to mention? Because um, because probably your band wouldn't exist without those music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you can probably, if you listen closely, you can hear uh, the Cure influences on there. You can hear some Depeche Mode. Uh, the song Science and Visions is uh, a little bit John Carpenter, a little bit Giorgio Moroder. Um, trying to think what else. Michael Jackson and like Prince and songs like Gun, stuff like that. Um, before we go, I'm talking about other musicians. Um, let's talk about your your, your songs, uh, especially the, the names of the songs. You have, um, they call it like We Sing, Under the Sky and Lungs and By the Throat. So just reading those names uh, sounds like it could be kind of a concept record about like swimming and breathing, something like that. Did yeah. you ever have something, like Somebody images in mind? Somebody mentioned that? that to us recently and um, it's just totally something that never occurred to us. So there wasn't okay. like a theme or a concept that we were doing. Because um, I guess in my head, neither uh, neither We Sink or Under the Tide is actually about swimming. But I guess it's just like, must have just been the kind of lyrics that we were writing when they were putting the record together. I also need to stop writing about any kind of body parts because that's <laughs> all that happens a lot. Maybe it's, it's a signature like thing, it's okay. I don't know. <laughs> I think, Didn't yeah. really think about it until we put the record together and we were listening to like the final selection of songs and I was like, oh. I don't think it's uncommon that when somebody's writing, you know, lyrics for an album that you don't, you're not, you don't get up every day and say, okay, this song has to be about X, Y, Z. But when you get to the end of a body of work and you take a step back from it, you mm. realize, well, this is where I was at lyrically. Hmm. You Plus, know, I suppose if the they were all, the yeah, if they're yeah. all written during the same kind of time period. I don't know, maybe psychologists would have a field day with that, but I don't know <laughs> what it means myself. <laughs> So. But do you agree that in the, within the, not only the titles of the songs, but also the lyrics, there's, there's a slight uh, certain kind of um, fear within it? Um, do you want to lie on the couch? Yeah, like, uh, like <laughs> recline. <laughs> How um, does it, it make um, you feel? No, well, <laughs> not say fear, but there's the line in we sing, I'll be a thorn in your side till you die. And I was wondering, that is not fear, but I was wondering how can one sing such cruel lines? Um, um, over such uplifting music in that song to well, me. Well, but then I think that maybe that's the interesting dichotomy for us, is that there seems to be the strange assumption that if you make music that sounds like if it's upbeat or if it seem, seems like it should be quite shiny, then you have to write lyrics that go along with that and you have to produce the songs in the way that would go along with that. But surely, like, conflict is the thing that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we ever feel like we need to change the way we put together lyrics because we're in a quote poppy band now. Like I don't think that's something we want to do, I and mean, hopefully that's what makes the music interesting. So I think even more than that, it affords when when there's music that that has a lightness to it, it affords the opportunity to push things a little further than than you would ordinarily, and that's 
as it's something that we talk about every day in the, in the production and the sounds, when something is just, just a bit too sweet to our ears, then we'll, we'll go at it, whether it's with new lyrical ideas or twisted production ideas, you yeah. know, like more aggressive sounds, just to, just <coughs> to bring balance. Ian said it was like cooking once. A bit of this, a bit of it's, it's, it's entirely a taste thing. It's like if we were writing music that sounded like really sort of radio ready or whatever, and then the lyrics were like super sweet, la la, I love you, like we'd, we'd hate that. We wouldn't even yeah. want to do that. Yeah. I think it's a personal preference thing. And I think if somebody turned around to me and was like, you need to write songs about going into club and getting, <laughs> getting crunked or whatever. And that's fine. Like I totally love, like, you know, there's nothing better than a great, ridiculous pop record. But I think that in terms of like spending like this is my job now and this is what I do and this is what we have to like create together I think that would be quite depressing for me to have to get up every day and write songs about how just I don't know maybe we should just maybe record two maybe record two I've had a brilliant idea for album two right here we go don't somebody will copy it no no (laughs) it's cool (laughs) we've got this it's a drone record full-on drone album but it's only got lyrics about raising your hands in the club Drinking, <laughs> suddenly I'm back at someone's house that yeah. I don't know, and then again. And you didn't know how it happened, and it was totally crazy, but. It was a crazy night. I was to it again next weekend. There's something in your eyes, you know. and it feels like flying. <laughs> that always seems to be like a line that should come nice. out. Yes, ultimately, write this down. This is good. Don't take it. It's got to be start with. So I was just, I walked into the club and then uh, suddenly I had my hands in the air. <laughs> Whoa! And then you would be able to there. I not know why. You would be there with your guy friends and I'd be there with my, my girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. And that's how we would write it. But not that there's anything wrong with these kind of <laughs> tunes. Because, you know, there's, there's a time and place. But I think in terms of like something that we would want to make, probably not. Yeah, there is, there is nothing wrong anyway, with those songs. You heard it here first. Any of my favourite songs involve uncontrollably raising your hands in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apart from bad music, which we were all excited to hear one day, I think. Um, Thanks. And, and your own songs. Um, uh, you did a lot of cover songs uh, recently. Mm. Uh, you even managed to do kind of a lullaby out of Killing the Name of what I heard. You oh, heard that's, oh, oh yeah, no, that's, that's not church. That's not us. Um, no, uh, you, but you sang it. Um, yeah, I did it like... 2010 with my other oh, band. So that old, okay. Yeah, I think some, I don't know what happened, someone figured out how to use the internet and they were like, yeah. hey, Churches did a cover of the, yeah. this Rage Against the Machine song, but it had been on the internet for ages and no one has picked it up. But we just did, a, did it for like a charity compilation. So you're that gonna wasn't m- You're going to mention Game of Thrones, Fabian, aren't you? Of course. <laughs> we wanted to. No, we don't need to. <laughs> but fine. you did film music once. You could go back to it uh, if you feel like doing Game of Thrones covers or whatever? It'd be great, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Game of Thrones, or what happened with us in Game of Thrones, is a cautionary tale. (laughs) It's a fantastic show, it's one of my favorites, in all honesty, but, you know, just think twice before you push that upload button on YouTube. <laughs> you get a little bit out of control. But you, you, covered, uh, you covered different art. You covered Prince and Haim and Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you could cover Game of Thrones as well. You know, so you don't care. <laughs> anyway, um, before we open up the round to have some, some questions from the audience, um, you're playing the um, postpone of tonight? We are. I'm yeah. very excited about yeah. it. Um, anything that the fans could, should expect that they couldn't expect if they saw you in Munich yesterday or Cologne? Or well, we used to do Prince live, but we don't do that anymore. We'd retired that cover at First Avenue, Minneapolis, where mm. it made sense to retire it. But now we sometimes do Whitney. Um, if, 
you know, we've the really enjoyed right. the show and the mood is right and people look like they're up for a bit of dancing. Yeah. So maybe we do that. Yeah. And you're coming back on tour in March 2014, I guess. Yeah. Apart from that, any other plans for next year, new songs, new records? I mean, I think this year you already supported Depeche Mode, mm. so without due respect, can't get any bigger, <laughs> can it? Well, as big as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember standing on stage at one of those shows, or just coming off stage and realizing, wow, it kind of is downhill from here, no matter how well it goes. <laughs> But the, um, yeah, that was an unbelievable opportunity. Uh, they're one of our favorite bands and obvious kind of primary influences. I think what they did with song, like song-based electronic music was huge source of inspiration mm. yeah and uh, that was some of the earliest stuff that when I was you know learning how to write songs and learn understanding synthesizers that mm. Violator especially was one of the most important records for me so It's that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. but yeah in terms of uh, in terms of next year I guess we, we're going to play a bunch more shows and try and get to places that we haven't been on on this kind of part of the the album campaign And, uh, and just like try and find as much time in between all of that to write new material. I mean, hopefully we'll put an EP out at some point, but okay. we just need to get back to writing, you know, back to the basement in Glasgow. Yeah. yeah. Lauren, Martin, Ian, thanks so far for that one. Um, Thank you. We open up the, the stage, not the stage, but around now it's for some uh, questions from the <coughs> audience. So are there any questions? If there's one of you guys, <coughs> yeah, there's a question. <coughs> Um, what is a better contemporary um, document of you, a concert or the album? Oh, that's a very good, good question. question. Um, I feel like you need both to fully understand the band. Like, I mean, I you're not just saying that because he wants you to buy I'm not saying that yet. <laughs> <laughs> buy our tickets. Um, you know, things I feel in our band translate differently live, although we stick a lot to the way that the album is kind of sequenced and, and written. We play as many instruments as possible live. Um, without disrespecting people who, who use like complete playback shows, that would never be the kind of thing that we would get involved with because it's we all come from a proper sort of live music background and when we feel like when people pay to see a show that they should get a complete show, you know, like proper sweaty rock show <laughs> on keyboards. <laughs> so that's what you get when you see our band live. But Except you know, sweating on keyboards is a health hazard. It is, it you could be electrocuted. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the, I guess the album is how these songs originally came out and how they were originally intended, so I think you need a bit of both to fully understand us. Thank you. <laughs> that totally sounds like, oh, come to my gig, I'd buy my album. So we <laughs> it get does, more it money. Bit, yeah. Buy one for like your we're pal so as well. so complex. <laughs> well, we're not really that complex, no. Uh -huh. Any other questions? We do have two persons here with a microphone. Just raise your hand. There in the back. Oh. Hi, guys. Hi there. Uh, question. Right there. Uh, I'm sure you're using Apple stuff and stuff like that. So uh, my question is, what kind of software do you use uh, to do music? Ah. Uh, well, we write all of our music on um, a program called Nuendo by Germany's own Steinberg. Okay, I know. And uh, live, we perform using uh, uh, Ableton Live. Okay, you're using also uh, expanders or all plug-in stuff? Uh, we use, uh, um, do you mean outboard equipment or do you mean the, the type of software that we use? No, some hardware stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean like Roland, uh, GD and stuff like that. Um, I mean, we use some uh, 
in terms of synthesizers, we use almost entirely hardware. That's kind of part of what we're about, you know, like actually finding these instruments, the original instruments. And whilst I have software instruments are so useful and, and amazing for sketching, I don't feel like they quite top the sound of the real thing, you know. So feels like they're getting better. But they um, are, they are. They're improving all the time. And, and, and I use them, you know, whenever I'm sketching something and coming up with an idea, software instrument is, is a phenomenal uh, tool. Um, but if you have the real thing at your disposal, then it can just bring that extra bit of character. And of course, it, 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 you know, you're less inclined to just quantize everything. And that's a massive part of what we're about. We're about recording things live and having things as loose and as rough as possible. Okay. Thank you for the information. No, no worries. <laughs> Thanks for the question. I saw another hand up here. Right here. Second line. Um, oh. Can you hold on for a second? We do have microphones. <laughs> Thank you. You just mentioned like um, Kate Bush or Michael Jackson as your idols. Are there any contemporary bands you are listening to or you like or adore or um, <laughs> whatever? Yeah, I mean, we listen to a lot of contemporary music, I think. That's where we all, in a lot of ways, we all kind of split off and do our own thing and each person kind of brings bands that they enjoy to the mix and there's lots of stuff that we agree on. I think that... Um, Magical Clouds album is probably one of my records of the year. Uh, I'm a big Drake fan. I have to admit it. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to apologize for that. Yeah, That's yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't, maybe I don't uh, speak for everyone in the group when I talk about that, but the, I feel like the from a production standpoint, I think what he's done with the new record, especially, is incredible because it's not full of like big Radiohead choruses. It's, it's a lot of it is deeply weird and very interesting from a production standpoint and a very quiet and understated high command of melody, which is something that, that I really appreciate. Hmm. But yeah. Any other bands or oh. any other? Um, I don't know, I guess I probably listen to more uh kind of I think I've kind of got back into rock bands and singer-songwriter stuff, so I guess um, James Blake or Speedy Ortiz or Waxahachie or something like that is probably what I would be more listening to at the moment. Mm. My album of the year so far is the debut album by Factory Floor on DFA Records. Love that. Really excited about the new Arcade Fire album as well, so don't know. I hope it's not. I hope it's great. Just hope. <laughs> I hope it takes its time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Yeah. yeah, it's like a fire. So well, you've heard it, haven't you? I've heard it, and it, it takes it takes its time. <laughs> but now it's not near the Bible of the suburbs, but probably okay. it will be. In it's a grower, place. then, is what you're yeah, saying. I hope mm. so. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I saw another hand up there on the right side. You have the microphone. Hi. Um, the first stuff you released was quite a while ago, and I don't know. It's just like the quality of the MP3s. It sounds to me like you tweaked quite some things, comes quite a subtle things, quite a lot between the first releases and then the album. And I was wondering, uh, when do you think songs are finished? Uh, this is this <laughs> the million the, dollar question. Yeah, this is <laughs> the question. Um, to me, I have no idea. Thankfully, I have two people sitting on my left that can tell me when to stop. <laughs> yeah, I think You're ruining it. You're ruining it. That's why you're not a solo artist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of benefits to the fact that we can engineer the records ourselves and there's no one telling us what to do and there's no time limits, like you have to get out of the studio now because the producer's going home. 
Um, mm. So I think that's been really great and was definitely beneficial to us because we were such a young band and just kind of wanting to figure out what we wanted to do, not necessarily what a label wanted you to do. No offense to the nice people from the label who might be listening to me. Um, <laughs> but um, I guess the only problem is that you're your own editor to that, to in your work. And there is, like, sometimes there is the temptation to just kind of keep working on something and keep changing it. But, um, yeah, I think there's probably, there's quite a difference between, like, the demo of lives we put on the internet last year and what went on the record. But I think that's probably because we played the song live a lot as well. Mm. And that was just a like free download demo that we were like, okay, that's roughly where we're at now. We'll put that out. But Yeah, it's interesting to listen to those demos because um, maybe in a way you do get a sense of progression yeah. and where we were at and how we were thinking and, and what we were doing based on new experiences and how we were understanding each other and and our creative process. I mean, that's where the only yeah. kind of tweaks and differences came in. What's the quote again? A song is finished when there's nothing else you, you can take away. Is that right? Well, that's good. I like that. I think it's, Never heard it's that a before. big one. It's a big one. It's like John Lennon or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, keen to assure everyone that we're not going to turn into the musical equivalent of George Lucas and release like special <laughs> editions yeah. with uh, extra CG chords. You can't show first everybody knows and you can't change history once you've made it. That's it. I think when you put an album out, it doesn't really belong to you anymore, so, mm. you know. It should be left alone. <laughs> Even though you want to tweak it. Man, it's you want to tweak it. <laughs> I saw another finger on the first row here. This guy's got a Native Instruments t-shirt. Yeah, I noticed that earlier. It's pretty cool. Oh, hello. Hi, uh, nice t-shirt. Special question to Martin. Yes. I'm also a machine user. Ah. Uh, did you plan to upgrade to Machine Studio in um, the future for maybe a better live performance also? You know, the, we use the machine hardware. It's really reliable for um, just loading our own samples into it. You know, that's a lot of what I'm doing isn't really drum-based. It's all cut up vocals. It's cut up, you know, maybe five layers of, layers of keyboards that I'd need way more hands than I have to play. Um, and the way that we use it works well at the moment. So I really like the, the way that the new software looks, or the new hardware looks rather, but um, I'm not totally inclined to change it, just in case things start <laughs> breaking. And uh, once you have a, a working rig live, the trick is to leave it alone <laughs> and just let it do its thing. Never change running system. Oh, that's yeah, it. exactly. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, yes, third row on the right. Hi, uh, thanks for being back in Berlin. I'm very much looking forward to seeing your show tonight. Thank you. Oh, um, thank you. One question about your songwriting process. Um, what's your usual procedure? Do you start uh, you know, finding some words and then making the music around it? Or do you have a kind of melody and then add some words later on? What's your general approach to that? Um, normally, we start with like a chord sequence or a new sound or a sample or something like that and we'll get an instrumental sketch of a song and then we put on a vocal melody and then the lyrics are on last and it's never a case that someone comes in with a completed song and is like here let's arrange this yeah. um it's always stuff that's thought of like in the studio when we're writing as a team yeah so. crucially we're not a band that will ever kind of write songs on the guitar you know and it works for so many people certainly doesn't really work for me because it, when you use uh, electronics as a, as a basis, as a starting point, as a, a tipping off point for, for an idea, 
it takes your brain to unique places, you know, in terms of melody, or in terms of rhythm. Whereas when you play the guitar, it always sounds the same. Or you play the piano, it never, you know, the sound never changes. And you, you can only do as much as you're <coughs> capable of with your, your fingers. And for some people, they're incredible guitar players, incredible pianists, and they can keep on writing unique stuff forever. But I think it's very interesting to, to have as many different sounds and different ideas as, as the beginnings of a song as is possible. It can get expensive, though. <laughs> buy so new equipment. Like, oh, I need to buy new equipment to write a new song. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good excuse, anyway. Right, right. Um, I mean, I guess it depends also what you're used to and where your comfort zone is. Like, mm. um, I don't know, in, in the past I played a lot of guitar and, and not using the guitar, as, a, as Martin says, as a starting point for new material makes you think differently. It forces your brain to think outside the kind of basic chord sequences that you would normally fall back into. And imagine it's this, you know, it's just good to shake it up and keep it fresh and interesting. So, yeah. Thank you. Other technical questions here. Another question. Go ahead. Hi. Hi. Um, Hi yeah. Let's say, like, if you guys are chosen to be one of the bands who make soundtrack for Star Wars Episode Seven, <laughs> 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 what kind of music will you guys put for for soundtrack anyway? <laughs> just wondering. Oh, I can't <laughs> imagine Star Wars with anything other than John Williams score under it, but. Yeah. Uh, we probably vocals. Yeah, we probably just rip off John Williams on keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> um, Remember my dad once had a keyboard that plays, uh, you know, like bossa nova rhythms and stuff like that. And uh, I remember walking into the living room once and he had a bossa nova rhythm on his keyboard and he was playing the Star Wars theme <laughs> in completely the wrong time signature. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> How did you end up getting into music? That would have scarred me. I know, me. I know. But he's, um, he's, he, yeah, I'll never let him forget it. Laura, did you say that we should put <laughs> Jawa vocals on it? Yeah, just do like churches, like churches music, but with like a Jawa vocal on top instead. <laughs> I feel like that could be a, a path that we could, could be a remix. Lauren does a great yeah. Jawa. Guest singer. Thank you. Uh, ultimately, Thank you. it would have to be no orchestra and write yeah. down to some yeah. gritty electronics, like some mm. 70s, 80s horror. It wouldn't work in Star Wars, though. Would. The, kind of, the kind of movie Depends that... The tripping, man. The, tripping. Yeah, the kind of film that couldn't afford like <laughs> a massive orchestral score. Remember when they had to use keyboards? We just used keyboards because that was the right it's thing. The original Star Wars was quite a low-budget film. <laughs> just saying. That theme... That's a million dollar theme. I know, on. I know. There's no way <laughs> Big JW was getting, you know, a small pick packet. You have that. to think about it. It's a big name at the time, yeah. right? Well, you know. We do have, um, I think, time for one or two more questions. Maybe one from the left side there. I never saw anyone lifting a finger here. On the right. Yeah, you first. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, um, I saw you in Dessau. Uh, it was a nice show. And I uh, noticed that when you're uh, performing, you're very on your own. And there's a bad habit of German uh, audience that they clap the full beat all the songs. Did you notice this? Is this annoying <laughs> for you? Um, no, I don't think it's annoying at all. Like, I think, um, yeah, it's always a strange sensation when that happens. Because, like, uh, I guess that's kind of what we were touching on earlier, that um, it's interesting to go different places and see how different countries and cultures respond. Um, the song Science and Vision. German people always clap along to that song. British people don't care. <laughs> they just, they're just like, the song's fine, it's an album track, get it done. And then they, like, you know, and then no one really responds. Well, they, maybe they're enjoying it, but they don't, it's not like, they, there's not a lot of clapping in that when well, we play it at home. You know, we are in the home of electronic music. This is true, so you guys get. You, get you guys know what to do tonight. Yeah, you guys but know your electronic music. 
but but what is that? Is that does that come from like kind of schlager tradition or like yeah. folk tradition? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I love it. Right. That's great. Well, I guess also we oh. have we play with linear monitors, so yeah. Um, yeah, we can't to an extent you're isolated from the crowd sound, so yeah. it, the clapping is not distracting or anything. It's just it's just nice. It's nice, I think. Thank you very much, everyone, for your questions, uh, for being here, and first of all. Thank you guys for being here, Ian, Martin. No, um, it's a pleasure. Thanks. Yeah. Lauren, thank you. Yeah, Churches, everybody. <laughs> yeah, thank, yeah. You thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.